Blessing to be in the house of God this evening, man. And I know that God's doing a mighty work. You know, uh, everything has been intentional as far as everything that has happened today up to tonight. And I do believe that God has a word for us. So uh, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. And we're going to get into chapter 5 as we close it out this evening. Ephesians 5. And while we're turning there, I want to thank God for my salvation tonight. I thank God for allowing me to be a testimony to others and allowing me to be in a, a reflection of his light to other people. You know, and I'm sure I'm sure when you guys look at me, you don't see somebody that was raised in the church. You don't you don't see somebody that went to Bible college on his own. Amen. Come on now. But you see somebody that looks like yourself, man, and somebody that grew up similar to you, somebody that went through some same struggles and some same battles, but God did a work in my life. And if you could see that, I pray that you would know he can do the same in you, too. And I'm, I'm grateful for our pastors. We have great leaders. I'm, I'm thankful for the leadership of our ministry, our church, Pastor Sam and Sister Tina. And I'm just grateful for my wife, man, for not only willing to be partnered with me in this in this mission that we have before us but man she puts her hands to the plow she don't got no problem getting in the mix man and that's the type of woman that you want to back you up amen but this evening we're gonna get into chapter five of ephesians and we're gonna close it out tonight but we're gonna begin at verse 15 and i'm gonna read till 19 ephesians 5 beginning at verse 15 the word of god reads like this so be careful how you live don't live like fools but like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you right now, Lord, and we pray, God, that you would empty us all out right now, God. Whatever it is, Lord, emotions, attitudes, God, negativity, Lord, anything that, that is a distraction in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would remove it, God. We willingly place it in your hands, any cares, any burdens that are heavily laden upon us right now, my God. We pray for you to take any tiredness, Lord, any, any, anything, my God, that, that would pull us away from your word this evening, Lord. We ask you to do your work right now, my God, and, and begin to prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, empty me out, Lord. And, and let's all be filled in your Holy Spirit. We pray for an overflow right now. We're not pouring, my God, that we would be vessels, Lord, that are anointed and, and equipped by you, Lord. Have your way this evening, God. I pray that you would anoint me as your word is already anointed. We give you all the honor and glory. And in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we all pray. Amen. Amen. The title of this message tonight is Victory Home. Victory Home. In this opening text, you know, right away you can look at the, at the words and, and man, it just begins to minister. This, this text right here, I, I could have did a whole message just on the, these verses. But we need to analyze. It says, Paul wrote, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. That, that means that we need to analyze our lifestyle. Analyze the way that you live. You know, analyze your, and that means to determine if you're living a life of, of foolishness or a fulfillment in God. It said, don't live like fools. And we all know how it is to live like fools. We've all lived like fools before, but God wants us to live a life of fulfillment. He, he wants us to, to be satisfied. He wants us to feel a, a pleasure with the way that we live. We need to utilize. He said, make the most of every opportunity. Maybe we have a problem seeing the opportunities. 
Maybe we, we underestimate the times that we have opportunity to make the most of that time. But we need to ask God, God, help me to see, help me to see the, the opportunities that you give me so that I can use them to bring glory and honor to your name. I say it often in our home, but use your time wisely. Use your time wisely. In the home, man, we, we have what? Assignments. Everybody should be caught up or at least getting close to being caught up. We need to, to utilize, you know, there's a new memory scripture. Everybody should already be on it. Those of you that didn't complete the last one, you, you should already be done with your 200 scriptures. If not, man, be done by tomorrow night, but they're due tomorrow night. You should be halfway done with your sermon, if not completed already. You should be halfway done with your book report, amen? But there's, there's, there's obligations. You guys have priorities, and that's the next thing in this text that we look at. We all have the same amount of time in the day, but it's what we do with it. And we, we talked about this topic in a previous leadership training, but prioritize. We need to prioritize what is important. That's where we waste time, is not learning how to prioritize. The Bible said, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. You know, when you think thoughtlessly, that's, that's the opposite of prioritizing. That's like, eh, procrastination or neglect. We don't even think about it. Like, ah, whatever, man, I'll just get to it tomorrow. I work today, I'm just going to go to sleep. I got time for nothing else. You got you to prioritize. Again, we all have the same time of the day. Everybody's putting their hands to the plow. We just need to make the time. Well, you can't find time, make time. You know, maybe we get too much sleep. Maybe we got too much fellowship. Maybe there's things that we're doing throughout the day that aren't as important. But we need to learn how to prioritize. Thank God that we're in a home where we know our mission statement. We know what we need to do. The Victory Home mission statement says this. The Victory Home is a ministry of the local church. The home provides a residential Christian environment for men and women. The purpose of the home is to reclaim, redeem, and restore lives that have been destroyed or disrupted by drugs, alcohol, and or other substance abuse by establishing three essential values, a commitment to Christ, restoration of the family, and a positive work ethic. Positive work ethic, not work, come home and complain about everything that happened at work, not complain all night about what's going to take place the next day at work, not, you know, in prayer, you're just like, man, I don't want to go to work today. I don't even want to pray because I'm, I'm so angry already. Like, man, positive work ethic, guys. Positive work ethic. You know, that's why you have the opportunity that you do in the home to grow in your work, to, to learn how to work with people that, that you're just like, oh, man, come on, Brother Steve. Why do you hate me putting me to work with this guy? You don't even love me, Brother Steve. Like, oh, brother, God's got this set up. This is the Holy Ghost set up. Amen. I remember when I did a study on angelology. And I discovered that when we worship God, that angels are worshiping with us. We just don't see them. But when the name of Jesus is exalted and, and we're magnifying him, right now when we just prayed these brothers in, the angels were rejoicing in heaven. They were rejoicing right here amongst us. There, were, there are angels present when we magnify the Lord. And I often pray that the Lord would encamp his angels around our house for protection. If, if we were able to take a glimpse into the supernatural visually, I wonder what the home really looks like spiritually. Are angels roaming through the hallways and, and bringing comfort through every room, every bed, every person? Or, or are demons brought in the house free to wreak havoc at whatever time and moment that they please? What does our home really look like in the supernatural, in the spiritual? Well, again, the message is victory home. 
Not defeated home, not demonic home, amen. Not disappointed or discouraged home, no. Victory home. And we're going to look at some things tonight, how we need to make sure that we have a home of victory. So often is the expression heard, it's like hell on earth, right? We hear that often. Man, it's like hell. It's like hell. It's like hell. Well, okay, well, what about why not heaven on earth? You know, why can't our home be a, a heavenly home? Why can't it be a, a heavenly time? Because we focus so much on the negative. When's the last time you felt God's hand upon you during prayer in the home? When's the last time you felt His breath of life refresh you by reading His word? When's the last time you even felt His strength entering your, your soul from praising Him? Do you have encounters like that in the home? Have you even ever felt that before in the home? If not, man, you got to seek Him. Empty yourself out. Really, really begin to pursue God. That's the purpose of the victory home is that you would not only have an encounter, not only to build a relationship, not only to become more intimate, but to know the living, sovereign, powerful, almighty God. So we're either filled with anger or we're filled with lust. We're either filled with hate or, or we're filled with, with the spirit. See, when we read that word filled in the scripture, it means controlled by it means controlled by see our thoughts our temple and our decisions are controlled by what we're filled with so if you're if you're filled with the holy spirit then your thoughts your your will and your your body will be controlled by the spirit but if you have anger inside of you and if you have lust inside of you and if you have anything other than that that's what's going to control you we give control by what we allow in in order to be a true victory home there should be evidence of the Holy Spirit manifests within. And in our text of Ephesians, Paul gives us a few examples of what we should look for in order for our home to be a victory home. We're going to go over a few points tonight that need to be evident, not only in yourself, but of our home. If we have a guest come in our home, they should be like, man, this, this is a place of joy. Man, this is a place of people that are, that are really submitted to God. This is a place where, where people are, are really about that life. Not where they come in and brothers are fighting over the breakfast and, you know, guys don't want to do the chores and they're arguing and, and it's just a big old negative fest. People come in like, oh man, this is the whole rah, rah, rah over here and rah, rah, rah over there. Like, oh, never mind, I'll come back later, bro. I won't even come back, forget this. But point number one, these are the things that we need to have in ourselves and in the home. Point number one, the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. If we continue in Ephesians 5, 19, we read, Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like joy. It sounds like joy when you can come in, man. And I'm not saying that constantly should we be singing men's home songs throughout the day or constantly be singing worship songs. But the words that come out of your mouth, man, they should be edifying you know, and again, I'm not asking you to be giving praise reports every time you speak and, and expecting you to be ministering in tongues, you know, whenever you feel the enemy moving. But, but man, just the conversations, guys. I, I, if I were to count how many complaints I hear a day and, and, and count how many times I hear somebody uplifting somebody else, it's literally like this. And these are the complaints, by the way. Amen. But we need to change that. We need to shift that atmosphere, man, like... Uh, Pastor Nick once said that I, I, I know what your prayer life is like by how much you complain. I'm like, dang, that's cold. Basically, if you're complaining, you ain't praying. Because when you complain, you're not grateful. When you complain, you're not in the spirit. 
Joy is our confidence in God regardless of what's going on around us. Do you understand that? Regardless. So yeah, maybe the job sucked today. And yeah, maybe your, your family is not doing everything that you want them or expect them or are hoping that they would be doing. But you still have joy. You don't allow the enemy to take your joy. You don't allow the enemy to come in and, and, and drop that seed of, of, of hatredness or drop that seed of negativity. You say, nah, man, I know my situation isn't all that right now. I know it's not going the way that I want it to go, but I'm going to keep my joy in God because there is strength in the joy that the Lord gives me. During trials and tribulations, can we still exercise joy? I, lo I love what Paul wrote in Philippians 4 verse 11. This is the attitude that we all need to have. It says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Philippians 4.11. Content is where you're satisfied. You're satisfied. So basically what he's saying is that, he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't have everything that, that I want right now, but I do have what I need. I have my right state of mind. I have my salvation. I, I have lungs filled with breath and, and a heart that's beating in my chest. I, I might not have everything else, but I have that and I'm good with that. I'm content with, I'm satisfied with that. I'm cool with that. See, it's when we want more. It's, it's when we want more that, that we begin to, to lose that gratitude. Our opening portion mentioned not to be drunk in wine, but filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on now, a lot of us used to, to love being drunk. I was drunk. If you would have known me in the world, man, we was about to get faded. Come on, somebody. We was going to get faded. I was getting faded at work. I had, to, I had to get a taxi to drive me home from work one time. That's how faded I used to get. Man, come on, brother. I'll see you all tomorrow, brother. Just faded. I had an argument with a stop sign. I was so drunk one time. I was like, no, you stop. Tell me to stop, bro. I was faded. Talk about drunk. I, cry, I, I wrecked into my own boy's car at a house party. He was parked behind me. I drove. I was like, poof. I was like, oh. <laughs> Dang. Got to walk in the party. Everybody's like, yeah. I was like, hey, talk to you real quick, bro. I just walked him outside. I was like, look, man. He was like, bro, what the heck? Everybody was mad at me. They wanted to hit me with the frying pan. I was like, how did the frying pan get in the mix? But I remember being drunk, man, and, and, and drunk in, in, in liquor. And, and, and let me ask you guys, well, how would you describe somebody that's drunk? Their, their attitude, their demeanor? How would you describe it, Nate? Smell. Smell? Angry. Angry? Obnoxious. Obnoxious? There it is, not caring. Joy. You're full of joy. I was, I was, a, I was a happy drunk. What was that? Selfish. Yeah. So here's the thing. And I, the reason I'm asking you guys all this and telling you all this about being drunk, not to glorify it, but because I want you to see that, that there's a comparison when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit and somebody drunk with wine. Let's look at this comparison in the book of Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, I'll read 13 through 15. And the Bible says like this. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. 
Again, why am I asking you the description of a person that's drunk and the description of somebody that's filled with the Holy Spirit? Because you see, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't care what anybody else says. You're full of joy because the Lord is in you. You have a strength. Man, you have love. You're happy. See, it's, it's almost confusing. Like, man, is this brother drunk right here? What's up with this guy? Nah, bro. He's filled up with the Spirit right now. He's drunk in the Lord right now. He's drunk off that new wine right now. Amen. What characteristics do you have when you're filled in the Spirit? Because, man, man, if you're not that on fire, then you got to get there. You know, Lord, continue to do that work in me. I don't want to get out of prayer, God, until, until I'm ignited, until I'm engulfed in your, in your love, until I'm, I'm filled with your joy. Drunks make a fool of themselves, so why not be a fool for God, drunk in the spirit? A drunk brings attention to themselves when a spirit-filled believer brings glory to God. They say, man, this guy's drunk in the spirit. Man, glory to God. Drunks love to sing crazy songs. Come on, when you're drunk, you think you know every song, right? Well, hey, turn, turn it up, bro. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Right? So why not when you're filled in the Holy Spirit, man, you just start to praise God. That's why I said sing hymns, sing praises, sing unto the Lord, and there will be joy in your heart. There will be fulfillment in your heart. Our, our home should have that type of culture. Like, man, what's up with these guys, bro? Are they still high or what? Nah, bro, they're filled up that spirit. This is the house that the Holy Spirit is evident in. In Psalms 42, verse 8, it says, But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Again, Paul said, I don't, I don't have what I want, but I got what I need, and I'm good with that. I got my life. I don't know how valuable your life is to you today, but today my life is so valuable. It, it is so valuable, and, and if I didn't have my wife, if I didn't have my kids, if I didn't have my ministry, if all I had was my life... I'd still be content. I'd still be satisfied with that. Everything else is just a favor. It's, that's just how much God loves us. Everything else is, just, is the icing, man. He's, he's blessing you. He's showering you in his love. But just be thankful for your life. One of my favorite stories in the Bible was when Paul and Silas were locked down and still worshiping God. Again, in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 25, it says, Around midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. It, it don't matter what situation you might be in. Maybe in the eyes of the world, they're like, why are you singing, bro? You're, you're, you're in prison. You're, you're shackled right now. You don't have your freedom right now. But you're still praising God like, I know, man, but God, God is good. God is able. I know that he's with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. I can't stop praising my God right now. See, when we are in the world, it's crazy how we used to rely on substances, drinks, pills, G, H, whatever stimulant you can find to feel better. But when we got that top notch in the Holy Ghost where we don't need a stimulant, come on now, about to stimulate your mind, Craig. Come on, somebody. We don't need all that. We got the Holy Ghost. We got the Holy Spirit. Point number two. Attitude of gratitude. Let's look at Ephesians 5, verse 20. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Christ Jesus. And give thanks for everything to God. Have an attitude of gratitude. Thankfulness comes from the Holy Spirit. You being in this home, you should have a reason to be thankful. It is said that the home meaning general homes, not necessarily the victory home, that the home is a place where you are treated the best and complain the most. Hello. This is just a, a statistic from society. It says that the home is a place where you're treated the best, but you complain the most. 
I was like, hello. Yeah, that's, that's, that's real. We need to print that out right there. See, do you, know, do you want to know how to establish harmony in our home? Be thankful for the men that are around you. Be thankful for the men that are around you. See, gratitude keeps us strong in humility. People who feel like the world owes them are ungrateful, and everybody else gets on their nerves. As a matter of fact, they feel like others should thank them because of who they are. You ever see those guys that walk around like, man, bro, you guys are lucky I'm in this house, bro, man. If I wasn't in this home, it would fall apart, bro. Like, okay, brother, you just need some humbleness in your life, brother. Men that have the attitude of gratitude are humble, and they know that God is a provider. Mary offered Jesus a gift of thanksgiving, and it brought a sweet aroma into the entire house through the way that she worshiped the Lord, through the, the sacrifice and the offering that she gave to God. It was a, an aroma of worship. She was willing to give and didn't care what anybody was saying about her. See, I want you to know something. People are always going to have something to say about you. Rather, they hate on you for doing good than hate on you for doing wrong. Let's look at John chapter 12, the gospel of John. John 12, we're going to read 3 through 6. <clears throat> and the Bible says this. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, The perfume was worth the year's wages. It should, not have been, it should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So here we have this broken woman who had been redeemed, who had been healed. And she's at the feet of Jesus and she's just worshiping him. And here comes a hater. Man, why are you worshiping him like that? Why, why, why are you all praising God for, man? You should, you should use all that energy for something else. You, you should give that offering somewhere else. Again, someone's always going to have something to say about you. They, they can talk about me when I'm worshiping Jesus. They, they can talk about me when I'm praising my God. Let them talk all day because I know it's not for them. It's not for man. It's for the Lord that I offer him my praise and worship. Her worship irritated others whose hearts weren't right. And we should never let anyone hinder our praise. If anything, praise God even more. It was mentioned the other day, man, we were praying in the room, and somebody told us to be quiet. I was like, man, you should hold it, go smack that brother. At that point, you got the right to just smack him. Someone told you? Man, hey, bro, stop praying so loud. Bro, go sleep outside. How about that? Go sleep outside, brother. Like, man, you know, it should never be said of our house about that. We should, we should all get up and pray, man. You don't feel like praying, then just pray where you're at, bro. You don't like the way that they're praying, then close your ears. Maybe you should have went to sleep five minutes later so you could have prayed with them. But we got to have a house where it is evident that the Holy Spirit is moving in. Before you start complaining and reacting negatively, just give thanks to God. Just give thanks to God. Like, man, I feel this complaint coming up. Thank you, Lord, for my life. Thank you, Lord, that you give me salvation. Thank you, Lord, that I got self-control. Thank you, Lord. Pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Just start to pray and give thanks to God. Third evidence that needs to be in our home. Point number three, submission and leadership. Submission and leadership. We're going to close Ephesians chapter 5 as I read 21 through 33. And the word of God says this. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as the Lord as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, 
So you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In that same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the other two are united, I'm sorry, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery history but it is an illustration of the way christ and the church are one so again i say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband let's break this down here paul is giving us an example of a husband and a wife and how they are to submit to each other right this is this is an equal mutual submission it doesn't say that men were cavemen and we come with our billy club and we smack them upside the head and get in there and clean the house and cook some dinner woman no it's a mutual submission we are in a similar we in a similar manner need to submit to christ as our bridegroom understand we are the bride i know we're men but technically we're the bride jesus is the bridegroom why because we're going to be married to him spiritually when, when he comes to collect his church and we get to dine in the great feast and we fellowship in person with the Lord. See, when we submit to God, we submit to his authority. If it isn't the authority of God, it's either the devil, our flesh, or the world. So again, I say, you need to submit to the authority of God. How do we use the authority that God has given us through our submission? I'll tell you how. And the example that Jesus left us was when he washed the feet of his disciples. Here we have... The Lord and Savior, the Master, and, and he humbles himself, he's wearing a towel, nothing else. He washes the disciples' feet, and he uses that same towel to dry them. What does that tell you? That Jesus was bare naked nude before these men in humility. Again, the man of authority, the man that has power, the man that has the opportunity to control, but yet he's using his authority to build them up, to show them. Man, you're, you're valuable. You're, you're, you're precious in the eyes of God. You have purpose in you. You're not, a, you're not a reject. You're not an outcast. You're not a good-for-nothing person. No, there's something special about you so much that I'm willing to come down in humility to wash your feet. And the feet is an example of one of the most, you know, uh, I don't want to say degrading parts of the body, but it's, you know, it's not a, a shoulder rub. It's not a, you know, a head massage. It's, it, no, it's the feet. It's some of the dirtiest parts of our body. Right? We, we walk all day. Back then, they didn't have no, no Jordans. They didn't have no Cortezes, no, no Crocs. Come on, somebody. Straight up bare feet, busted up feet, blistered up corns, bunions all over the place. Amen? Just washing their feet in humility. Again, to use his authority to build others up. So when God gives you authority, it's not that you would lord over other people. It's for you to build other people up. See, today, I've been given authority by God. Not to be your drill sergeant, not to be your corrections officer, to be somebody that encourages you, to be somebody that inspires you, to be somebody that can motivate you to say, hey man, God did it in my life, he can do the same thing in your life. We shouldn't throw our weight around, or this is a heavy one, use others to climb yourself up the ladder. Unfortunately, that's the day and age that we live in, where people use others to climb up. What does that mean? That, that people's motives are ill. 
that sometimes their intentions aren't as positive or you know true as they seem to be you just gotta use wisdom i'm not saying don't don't fully trust anybody but man you know let the holy spirit give you discernment i like this verse in romans 12 verse 10 the bible says love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other take delight in honoring each other i want to ask you a question what does it mean to you to honor somebody respect respect what else when you honor somebody how what, what do you what do you think that means Okay, Lorenzo. Good. Do everything to see them succeed. Put them above yourself. Look up to them. Although those are true. Honoring each other. To honor each other. Can, can we say that we have that mentality towards everybody? No. Don't worry if you don't. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to get you to understand what, what we need to have. How we need to feel. The way that we need to have a relationship with each other. Here in the word, it isn't suggesting that men have dominion over women, but it also compares the love that Christ had for the church, and in a sense, he had the home in mind. Leadership isn't about power or control. Jesus was a great leader, and the walk, and we need, and the walk that we need to try to become more like is like his. The modelship that he left, the exampleship that he left. He provided, he taught, he felt the pain of his flock, he healed, and he sacrificed. These are the type of things that he did as a leader. Hyman. Does dominion mean control? Yes. Uh, the reason why, like, Part of it. There's many reasons, but it's part of it. The ultimate reason is selfishness. It's like this, though, like, you say that you give a lot of battles and stuff, and they only need, they only want guys when they need them, and they they got it for a little bit, and they say, you know what, I'm good now, God. Yeah. That's a, what we call a 911 uh, call to the Lord. You know, it's only when emergencies hit that we come to Christ, but it needs to be all the time. It needs to be when we're in the valley, when we're in the mountaintop, when we're in the storm, when we're in the sunshine. We need to be with God all the time. I want to reread Ephesians 5, through 24. It said, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, and Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. See, the wife is to submit herself to Christ first. As she submits herself to Christ first, it automatically submits to the head of the household. Why? Because God has anointed and ordained the man, the husband, to be the head of the household. So as a woman, she, she submits herself to Christ. Guess what? Any authority under Christ that Christ has established, it's automatically in alignment. So again, we're talking about the victory home. We're not talking about marriage right now. See, in the victory home, when you commit yourself to Christ and you submit yourself to the Lord, anybody that the Lord has placed before you that has authority from God, you should automatically fall in alignment with. And you should automatically you know, allow to invest in you and to counsel you and to minister to you. See, I'm glad that we have the pastor that we do because it's his counseling. It's the guidance that God used through him and, and into me that has allowed me to become the man that I am today. Again, all glory to God first. Never do I ever place glory in man above God, but I acknowledge, I acknowledge the establishment that God has placed before me. There's a, a ranking, you know, there's, there's leadership. We're talking about submission and leadership. 
It isn't much different in ministry. When you are surrendered unto Christ, you are much more liable to submit under the leadership of the house of God. And this doesn't make anyone a slave for the same reason that the leadership themselves, they need to submit unto Christ and, and others, others that are in leadership in the ministry as well. See, I myself submit to Christ first. I, I surrender to God and I, I ask Him for help. I ask Him for direction. And then I get the confirmation through my leader, which is my pastor. And then that's when I give it to you guys. That, that's when I'm able to operate and, and, and be effective in helping you guys to become the better men that God has called you to be. What type of leader would I be if I expected obedience from you, yet I disobeyed my pastor? I wouldn't be a very effective leader. If, if I was asking you guys, you guys need to listen to me. You need to do what I say. And then you see me around pastor and pastor's asking me to do it. I'm like, man, pastor, I'm not time for that. What you talking about, man? I ain't going to do all that. Forget you. Like, what kind of leader would that be? Right? Ineffective. A hypocrite. It would be a fake leader. The husband and the wife are expected to pray together and, and to know and understand God's will for their household. Both are expected to do that. Not just the husband, not just the wife. It can, it can maintain for a certain amount of time. Because don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that all marriages that are under God are perfect. You know, me and my wife, we don't always pray together. You know, we battle with that. God hits us in that area. I mean, God, the enemy hits us in that area. But we battle. It's hard to pray together, you know. We have to find that time, make that time, and, and, and really be able to focus in our prayer together. But we battle. But we try to do it as much as we can. But sometimes that's not always the case. It is important that not only you men pray, but also my wife and I pray along with you. Okay? In the home, we're, we're the example of the authority of God. And you guys are, are the men that come in in submission to Christ. And as we all pray together, we are all to know and understand God's will. We need to know and understand His will for counsel for you, for the direction we lead you in, and for the guidance that we minister to you. Many marital problems among believers stem from the lack of togetherness in Christ. And the home works in a similar manner. You can't just wake up and go straight to the job site. Sometimes you can't even just get up and do chores without getting some prayer in. It's like, man, we need to pray for everything. Well, then let's pray for everything then. If that's what we got to do to make sure that, that we're flowing and, and we're united and we're unified in Christ, then let us get it done. We need to be students of his word. See, without submission of ourself, we will have a home of arrogant, prideful, and self-centered men who are constantly at war, never going forward in life, but more than likely going backwards. If our home isn't a home of victory, then that's going to be the characteristics and that's going to be the outcome of it. I don't know about you guys, but that doesn't sound like a victory home to me. Paul wrote, husbands, love your wives. Again, I'll reread Ephesians 5, 25 through 33. For husbands, this means love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one this is a great mystery but it is an illustration of the way that christ and the church are one so again i say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband see paul wrote a lot more to the husband than he did to the wife right it's like the wife's had one little section came to the husband's like all right now let me talk to you guys real quick see to compare our love to the love that christ had for others is a goal that we will never cease pursuing until the Lord returns because we'll never have a love like God did. But we strive 
to have a love like God did. To compare our love to the love that Christ had for others is, is ultimate love. Spiritual leadership requires that you give up yourself for someone else. And again, you need to be a leader to operate in the calling that God has given you to utilize the gifts, the talents that God has given you to be effective in your purpose that God has given you. You have to be a leader, a man that knows how to lead. Christ's love was sacrificial. He gave himself to the church. He died on the cross for you and I today. We are the church, not the four walls, not the brick and mortar, not the roof, us, the people. We're the church. It was a love of sanctification. That means set apart. Christ made the church holy and clean as it was purified by the word of God. When you read the word of God, what happens when you read something that you don't like? It hits because the Lord is purifying you. You can't look at a woman because if you look at her with lust, you've already committed adultery. Come on, God. Really? Really, Lord? But she's fine. She's sexy. She got she all that, Lord. Like, no, you've already committed adultery, which is an abomination in the eyes of the Father. If you hate your brother, you've already committed murder in your heart. But man, I can't stand him, Lord. You don't know what he said to me. You don't know how he treats me. You don't know how he, how he comes at me. God says, you need to be a man of forgiveness because you were once a man that hated me. You were once a man that rejected me and I still loved you. I still forgave you. I still gave you mercy. I still gave you grace. We have to assume the responsibility of our relationships that we build in the home. We need to make sure that they are healthy and developing. See, the love that the husband shows the wife should be edifying and enriching. The love that I, I, I show my wife, I have to daily pursue her, daily enrich her, daily edify her. That's what love is because Christ loved us like that. But we need victory homes that are evident in love. Is love evident in our house or is everybody out for themselves? Is everybody self-centered? Is anybody really trying to help each other out? We got three guys in the living room chilling. One brother's in the kitchen with a mountain of dishes. They look in, they're like, oh, man, hey, let's go to the room, bro. He's going to ask us for help. Is that, what kind of, is that the type of house that we have? We have dirty minds in our hearts that aren't perfect, that we daily need to be cleansed by the word of God. As we read the word, our minds are being purified, our hearts are being cleansed. That's why it's important, guys. When you, when you have that opportunity to read daily, man, just read. Just read when you don't want to read. Read if, it's, if you're not understanding it, because I'll tell you what, you're, you're planting seed. And eventually in time, it's going to make sense. I want to read a verse from the book of Jude. If you don't know where Jude at, it's a book right before Revelation is in the back. But Jude, verse 24, the Bible says, Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. You see, when it says that Christ prepared the church and he cleansed the bride and he washed her, that's what he's doing right now to us. He's cleansing us. He's washing us. He's preparing us. The Holy Spirit that is in you is, is, is breaking down that flesh. It's tearing away that old man so that when the Lord comes, we're prepared. We're cleansed of all the perversion that we used to have. We're, we're removed of all the hatredness, all the unforgiveness, the animosity, the strife that we used to have. We need to understand that the love we need to have in the home is the same as the love that Christ had for the church. Not only sacrificial, not only sanctifying, but also satisfying. See, if you're not satisfied in Christ, then you're always going to have urges. You'll, you'll have a plan B, and you'll look for reasons to quit rather than looking for reasons to stay. If you're not, if you're not satisfied in Christ. And, and we're almost done. Just give me like five more minutes. 
I have six eyes that I want to give you at sub points. I'm not talking about eyeballs, words that start with the letter I. To find satisfaction in your leadership in the home, you must have initiative. Initiative. Ask yourself, do I take responsibility for my relationships? Am I an initiator or a reactor? But we need to have initiative. Was that to find satisfaction in, your in the Lord, hey, just in the Lord. I-N-I-T-I-A-T-I-V-E, initiative. We also need to have intimacy. You need to have intimacy. See, do we experience intimacy with God and others in our conversations? When, you, when you're speaking about the Lord, do you experience an intimacy as, as you're testifying, as you're witnessing, as you're ministering, as you're evangelizing? Man, there, there should be an intimacy because not only are you magnifying and glorifying and exalting the Lord, but the Holy Spirit is actually the one that is operating through you and speaking those words. And there should be an intimacy as, as you're there with God and as you're sharing Him with others and as you're in the home. And it should work opposite. So when, when you hear other conversations or somebody comes at you with a different conversation, the Holy Spirit should urge you another way. It should say, whoa, 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 hey, no, hey, we, don't, we don't engage in these conversations not to where you're like oh <laughs> all right yeah let's talk about let's talk about this lust let's let's talk about this gossip let's talk about this rumoring let's complain a little bit let's murmur a little bit no the holy spirit the holy spirit should urge you otherwise it should urge you otherwise your intimacy with god if you're not that type of person then you need to get deeper in your intimacy with the lord because when you're intimate with somebody let's just say a girl when you're intimate with the girl and some other dude comes and starts talking, talking to her. What, what do you do? Trip, Start tripping. Hey, bro, what's up, man? This is my girl. Hey, hey, she's mine, player. Right? We get all defensive. But see, the thing is, if, if you're intimate with God and somebody brings some ungodliness around you, it should be the same effect. Unfortunately, that's not the case. So that just means you got to get deeper. Get deeper in your intimacy with God because when you have that, you have authority that allows you to speak up. Hey, bro. You take that conversation outside, or I'm about to let it be known. Call me a snitch. Call me a rat. Whatever you got to call me, brother. It ain't going to go down in this house. This is my God's house, and we don't talk like that around here. But that's the type of intimacy you need to have. Influence is the third eye. Influence. Am I a godly influence by encouraging and developing others? What type of influence are you leaving? Because you're leaving an influence, but it's your choice if you're leaving a good or a bad influence. Number four is integrity. Do I live an honest life? Ask yourself. Do I live an honest life? Am I ashamed of who I am when no one is looking? Am I ashamed of that guy? I'm not going to tell nobody about him. I'm not going to confess that person to nobody, but am I ashamed of that guy that I am when nobody is looking? That's integrity. Number five, identity. Am I secure with who I am in Christ? Or am I defensive? You see, when you're secure, you don't have to defend yourself. But I'm a Christian. I, I swear I'm a Christian, bro. I promise to you I'm a believer. Uh, man, I'm a child of God. You shouldn't have to defend that if you really are that. You shouldn't have to defend your identity if that's who you are. If, if your identity right now shows what state you received your identity card from, there's no doubt about it. It's official. If, if your spiritual identity shows that you are a child or a citizen of the kingdom of God, you don't have to defend that. That's what it is. 
But see, the reason I'm asking you to, to understand your identity is because when we don't know our identity, is because we're not true to ourselves. We're not true to Christ. And we need to become that. We need to be true to Christ. And we need to be real to ourselves. So that when people contradict you or people come against you, you already know. You know what? I don't even need to argue with you, brother. I don't need to engage in this conversation, man, because I know who I am. You can't tell me otherwise. And then the last one is inner man. I-N-N-E-R, inner man. Is the Holy Spirit in me, or am I driven by my flesh, basically? Who is it that's, that's in the driver's seat in your temple? Is it the Holy Spirit? Because again, remember, when you're filled, you're under the control. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then your inner man is the Holy Spirit. But if you're filled with the flesh, then you're driven by the flesh. When we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us up, then we have the fruit of love in our home and begin to operate at a level we never imagined. Keep in mind that we don't use the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit uses us. We don't use the Holy Spirit. We allow the Holy Spirit in by the, the exception of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit uses us. Right now, this isn't Brother Steve's ideas. This isn't my theology. No, this is the Lord, the Holy Spirit operating through me, ministering to you. I'm just a vessel. I'm only a messenger. I'm only a, a microphone, and it's the Lord's voice that is amplified and speaking audibly to you here tonight. The Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. I'll leave you with this last scripture. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into his glory. Here we are at a different time though. When the Holy Spirit is available, when the Holy Spirit is flowing. So as we reread that, when Jesus says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. And then the Bible says, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. That's the Holy Spirit that wants to come in you tonight and it wants to overflow. It wants to roar through you like a roaring river and it wants to just fill you. It wants to strengthen you. It wants to refresh you. It wants to re-strengthen you. How will we know if we have a home of victory? We have three points that I've given you tonight. When the joy of the Lord is upon us, when there's an attitude of gratitude in the house, and when there is submission and leadership, joy, thankfulness, and submission. The more we spend time in the Word of God, the more the Holy Spirit will be in us. The more that we have the Spirit in us, the more victory will be in our victory home. Let's all stand this evening. Come on, let's give Jesus a mighty hand of praise. Amen.